This is D.L. Mayfield, and you're listening to Frequency. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Frequency Podcast, Frequency.fm. This is Dan Thompson, and I'm joined with my partner in crime, Joe Brickhouse in Portland, Oregon. How's it going, Joe? It's raining, and I, I, I wanted to start out this episode by qualifying the fact that we are not Frequency FM UK in Leeds. That's not us. Anyway, I really yes. appreciate the fact that people like to um, reference us on Twitter as if we are Frequency FM in Leeds. Um, there's a guy who's very excited about the fact that one of his mixes is going to be featured on Frequency FM tonight. And um, I feel kind of bad that I'm going to have to tell him that, no, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess we should have expected something like this to happen, considering that we're in the .fm um, area of the Internet. But we just got a really cool name. I know. And, you know, they're the radio station, I guess, in Leeds is um, .co.uk or something like that. Anyways, I think there's another one in New Zealand, too. But regardless, we love our name, but we are definitely not a radio station in the UK. No, no. But we are international. And and that's that says something. Yes, it does. And we're U.S. based. I just won't remind people that I actually live in Canada. Well, sure. Well, I guess we're U.S. based only because the we as a, a nonprofit are based at my home. Uh, so, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Move on down here. <laughs> you know, and folks listening will not care about this, that there's a job opportunity waiting for Dan in Vancouver, Washington, just a <laughs> half an hour from my house. And then he and I could like actually hang out from time to time. Um, Wouldn't that be cool? Yeah, but uh, it's not happening. So if anybody's listening from the church there in PEI, don't worry about it. It's Dan's good. He's there. <laughs> well, and the funny thing is, I mean, it's a beautiful place, Joe. I mean, I even looked at the picture of the church and the mountains in the distance and, and all that. And it's awesome. But, you know, it's the whole God calling thing. I don't know. See, for um, me, if, 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 if an opportunity like this came up and I was in your position, all I would do is look at the political landscape and I'd say, nah, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. Um, it, Canada has trumped you. Oh, shut up. Dudes. Dude, that's, yeah. That's, oh, isn't that terrible? That, oh. that really is. It really is. Don't, don't do that again. I feel like a lounge lizard now. Oh, I feel like I just defiled you. Well, <laughs> I just... <laughs> I, I don't know how to respond to that. So maybe we just move <laughs> well, ahead. Uh, <laughs> well, the terrible thing is, I mean, I, I feel sorry for for the current political landscape down there because, I mean, there's a lot of incredible people in the U.S. and a lot of great leadership. Um, but unfortunately, I don't know if it's the media or, or what it is, but the fiasco that has become the elections, at least in my Facebook feed and on Twitter and on the news... Um, has been disappointing, um, but I'm I'm not going to um, say that we're much better in Canada. We're just a little bit more passive about the silliness. But you know, I'm you good know, with our... that. I'm at, at this point. I was exchanging uh, emails today with Shannon Walker. Uh, for folks who don't know who Shannon is, and most people don't, 
Shannon is uh, the the PR lead at Integrity uh, Music, which is part of David C. Cook, and she's she's become a friend. And we were exchanging messages just about the general, um, I don't know, frustration or just the you know facepalm response to the way that people who are Christians are are dialoguing with other people on social media and just going really. This mm-hmm. is not furthering the kingdom, folks. It, it's not helping. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, how do we navigate that as Christians, right? I mean, the the best response is no response at, at this point. Um, you know, the more wisdom someone has, the more restraint they have. Uh, there's, you know, my mentor, um, a man that I respect in our church, um, most people are afraid of him because he doesn't speak unless he needs to. Yeah. He's a, he's a kind, kind man and would do anything, but people have this impression of him that he's intimidating. He's a stately man, well-dressed, you know, um, gray hair, slick back business owner, but he's hilarious and he's very engaging. But if you don't know him, he'll really freak you out. But that's just, he's just exuding that, character which is restraint yeah i wish uh, uh, i wish people on my side would show uh, a bit more restraint (laughs) yeah and i mean we see that obviously in the music business and um in other avenues even in the author realm when um we we have from time to time had people that you know toot their own horn so to speak that one author comes to mind that you know, emails us often about how awesome he is. And, um, <laughs> yes. yeah, I think, you know, who I'm talking about, <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. um, which, which will remain nameless, but, um, you know, sometimes people just don't get the message. You know, that's, and, an, I think it's an, yeah. in, sorry for interrupting. I think it's, no, that's fine. If, um, it, it's interesting because, um, our guest on the, the podcast today, Paul Balash, uh, one of the first things that he and I talked about, and it, it's not on recording, is just about the awkwardness that's associated with promoting yourself and trying to find a balance. And clearly the, the person that you and I are talking about who shall remain nameless doesn't understand that balance because it should be a little awkward to try to promote yourself when it, when your your job is really to promote the kingdom, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess, you know, we're, we're trying to navigate that, playing field and you know in a sense you know like we like you said at the beginning of the podcast that we are a charity so our goal is to provide a platform for people um but you if you already have one of your own like there's really no need for us to do it (laughs) right right you know i'm being somewhat facetious but you know like our our goal is to is to seek out those who who are striving to um to use their art or whatever format they're doing in a way that's going to build the kingdom. And yeah. And sometimes we just have to use our own discernment to decide what we want to push and what we want to, you know, set aside and, and let other people do. So I will be unapologetic about that, but um, you know, we do, you know, from time to time, even banter back and forth and decide, do we go with this or don't we? So, Joe, uh, you had the chance to connect with Paul Blash. Actually, I believe it was, was it yesterday you had got to talk to him? 
Yeah, yeah, it was yesterday. Yesterday was a big interview day. Yeah, so yeah, I talked to Paul, and um, the fact that you and I are actually recording the episode the day after, minor miracle. Let's just throw that out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, and the good thing is, I mean, it's fresh. I got to listen to your recording, um, and it's great conversation. And you can definitely tell when someone is used to talking and used to leading and training people, because you would throw a question out and he would just run with it. So it had to have been one of the easier uh, conversations to have, have to navigate. Um, but not easy because, I mean, Paul Blosh has been around for a long time and well-known well, well known and well-recognized. So um, I guess there's always that possibility that it could be awkward, you know, for a guy who may have been on his 15th or 20th interview. That always crosses my mind. And as I was eliciting questions from uh, from friends and listeners, uh, there was kind of a general consensus of, man, this guy gets interviewed by so many people. How are you going to come up with innovative, interesting questions that aren't going to sound like what everybody else asks? And I'm like, yeah, that's a great, I, uh, it's a great problem. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, in your defense, though, um, I would say that the questions and the answers were dynamic enough and really quite relevant to where he is in his life and his career. And I thought it, um, he touched on, on transition. He touched on change and he touched on, um, new people coming up, um, that have been waiting in the wings and he's trying to encourage them. So why don't we dive right into the interview then? Um, and we can listen in as Joe talks to Paul Balash. guys, it's Joe Brookhouse here at Frequency. It's uh, our great pleasure to welcome esteemed worship leader, songwriter. Let's think, what else could we throw out there in terms of kitchen sink regarding Paul Balash? Oh, Paul Balash. Yeah, that's who we're talking to today. Um, we're going to be chatting about his uh, latest album, Your Mercy, which is set to release on October 7th, just a couple of days away at the time of the recording. Um, we'll also touch on worship leading and uh, just his role as the artist. So, sir, welcome. Thank you, Joe. Hey, Joe. <laughs> If you could say G.I. Joe or Joe Schmo. Hey, Joe. I was thinking of the Jimi Hendrix song. Hey, Joe. You go back your hand. <laughs> See, my bass player, every time he comes up on stage when I lead worship, he's like, hey, Joe. And it took me like 10 years to look it up and go, oh, yeah. Oh, it's a great song anyway. Yeah, it is. Sir, thanks for having me, Joe. It's great yeah. great to talk to you from, from the East Coast to the West Coast. Right. Coast to coast, it's Frequency.fm. It sounds very important. Right, right. New York State to Portland, Oregon. Now, that's probably where we should start then. If you're in New York State and people are used to you being in Lindale, Texas, you have a new home. And I feel like I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the album from the perspective of you've just had a huge life change. you want to give us a quick scoop on that? Sure. Um, after 26 years of the same church, same neighborhood, same lovely friends, um, we felt like... It was more of a, a, a season where, you know, our, our three kids grew up there and went off to college and they all gravitated back to the Northeast, two of them in, uh, now in Manhattan and one outside of Philadelphia. And we're originally, my wife and I are originally from Philadelphia. So, you know, the house, you know, the empty bedrooms and all that. I mean, we could have just stayed there. Nothing was broken, yeah. but um, 
we started to feel like, you know, the church is in a healthy place, good next generation. I'd always raised up a team and then they move on, raise up a team. Well, this time it was like raised up a team, next generation, and thought, what if we just hand this over while it's healthy? And maybe we just uh, tell a couple of realtors that, hey, if you have somebody who might be interested in this kind of a house or let us know. And within a month they came by and somebody bought our home and we thought, well, here we go. So um, it was, you know, just hitting the reset button for us. We could have easily stayed there. And I I remember sitting on the back porch and saying to Rita, you know, the easiest thing to do would be to just stay right here. There's nothing broken. And yet I think uh, like you restart your computer, you know, you have all these windows open and tabs open and just just go, it's time to just hit the re reboot, restart. And um, that's what we did. So moved here and, um, eventually found a, a little one bedroom apartment and, um, you know, plugging into a church after all those years of leading, it's good to just walk into a church and be led, sit in the fourth row with my wife and look up at the screen and just sing those songs. And, and then little by little, they'd say, Hey, uh, I'd notice they didn't have a bass player that Sunday. And I'd go, Hey, you need a bass player. And I just, you know, I'd look at the chart and play bass and then, Little by little, occasionally I've led a few times there, but for the most part, it's been fun to just attend and receive, and uh, and it's reaffirmed to me the power of what we all get to do. A lot of us get to do, and that is lead others from week to week. The the power of prayerfully putting a a journey of songs together and trying to skillfully and prayerfully sort of lead this twenty five minute a time of corporate singing and just the potential in that to really encourage and transform really hearts and and marriages and families and kids. And I mean, just it's really cool to be on this side and experience it afresh and go, I believe in this. I believe this is really powerful. And it's sort of uh, made me uh, double up my passion to train up and teach and encourage the next generation as a, tried to do that for years. My ministry has always been trying to encourage the local church and uh, equip them with, you know, some, some training, et cetera. So um, I, I believe in it even more now. Well, it's just a, a, such a shift, not just, you know, geographically speaking, but to be, you know, for you to be the guy up front, which is what you're used to, and then to come in and to be ministered to, um, that has to be, uh, I think you already said it, but a, kind of a refreshment to say, oh, I'm going to be here in the fourth row. Mm-hmm. Um, did the, were the people aware that you were coming to that church? Not, we're not talking about the album now, but this is my curiosity. Kind of, you know, a, a couple of them, a handful. My, most of them wouldn't know me, but a handful, the worship pastor, I've known him for a couple of years, David Gunger. Yeah. And, um, and my son, David, was playing bass on the team sometimes, or French horn. Um, he also would lead occasionally when David Gunger wasn't there. So that's kind of what drew us there initially. And it's a little bit more of a liturgical expression, which is new for us. I came for the last 25 years a bit more of a non-denominational yeah. sort of, uh, I don't want to say anything goes, but somewhat of a charismatic, but a mix of sort of all these denominations together, which was fine, fine by me. But I like this. This has been a good experience uh, to uh, to do communion each week, to some spoken prayers. Uh, and I think that influenced a little bit of the sound of this new album because 
it's pretty much the the format is acoustic guitar small drum kit usually a cello and a viola or a violin a couple singers you know it's a little bit more stripped down and, yeah. and it feels sort of organic and you can hear voices singing uh, it's not overproduced so I really I feel like that struck me as authentic not that the other is not authentic but it kind of hit me in a good place and I felt like I'd like for this new album to reflect a bit of this new season so it was fun to involve a lot of the new some of the team from this church and then calling on some local pastors from Brooklyn a guy that was from Brooklyn Tab for a bunch of years and a guy from Christ Tabernacle which is a bit more urban gospel you know, there's a lot of diversity on the project, which is really fun for me, just to see the representation of uh, different styles. And every nation, tribe, and tongue, as the Bible yeah. says, you know, uh, New York City definitely is a representation of that scripture. When I was listening to it, I, I couldn't necessarily put my finger on it, but I figured it had something to do with the new venue. But it, it seemed like you were looser. And I mean that in a positive way. And you use the term overproduced. And you know, if I can be frank, from my position, I listen to a lot of music gets sent my way, and a lot of it is uh, homogenized. Is my new favorite word. You know that it's just been overproduced, and you listen and you go, yeah, that sounds like everybody else. But this, it felt like you were looser uh, in your delivery, different players than I'm used to seeing uh, on the, in the liner notes. And, and if I could say so, I also heard a bit of an edge, and I mean that in a positive way, where it felt like um, you were speaking from a, a place that it maybe a bit more raw than it has previously. Is there any uh, validity to that? I think so. I think as I, as I get older, the thing that you know, I'm learning, I'm always trying to grow and learn and be open-minded and see kind of what, what's happening in the church. And I think the 20-somethings... Um, I have all three of my kids are 20-somethings. You know, there's, there's just a hunger for authenticity, yeah. not much patience for – they're not really looking for it. Uh, and I think that's spilled over perhaps to me in terms of um, – well, all these songs, most were co-written as well. So that's another way to try to keep my own heart fresh has been trying to reach across to some other guys and gals who I've met along the way. And uh, like an Aaron Gillespie, there's a song called uh, I Will Worship You. That's what I noted there. Yeah, that's one of the specific songs I was going to ask about. So good. Yeah, go ahead. Well, Aaron Gillespie, if you, you know, he's from a band called The Almost, and you know, long red hair and just like hard rock screamo almost. You know, and he's one of the singers and the drummer. And for us to connect was completely, you know, almost unlikely. And yet, I feel like that combination um, was just. Uh, we were just surprised to come away with a song like this, but just wanted to sing something just kind of raw and honest. And, you know, when I'm losing, when I'm broken, when I'm sinking like a stone and it feels like I'm alone, I will worship you. Um, when I'm so scared, when life seems unfair, when I'm tired and I lose my way and I'm feeling so ashamed, I will worship you. Um, you are the anchor to my soul. Draw me to you and don't let go. Only your love can make me whole. Jesus, I worship you. That was one of the songs that um, when I was listening to it that I kept coming back to for a couple of reasons. One, when I said things sounded like they had a bit more of an edge, that was one of the songs that stood out to me. And I also, and I, this probably wasn't intentional, but it'll be a reference that you understand. It made me think of Bridge Over Troubled Waters. 
in many way in terms of the phrasing of the music and that's the delivery, but also in terms of thematically. So now you have to go back and listen to it. Right. Not that you don't know the song, but no, no, it's good. It's good. I guess like the essence of that song though, is just, you know, uh, when we're going through hard times or even when things are really going great, we can, that's when we can actually forget to like go back to God and give thanks and yeah. keep pressing into him. You know, oftentimes when we're struggling, that's when we're, Oh God, help me, you know, Lord. But it's just trying to, like, it feels almost, um, it's a very simple idea, but just Lord, you know, when this happens, when this happens, I, I will worship you. You know, that, that idea. I'll turn my heart to you, not to all the counterfeits that are, available to us or the addictions of, you know, whatever happened, you know, whatever we fill our time with. It's like, Lord, you know, by your strength, by your grace, draw me to you. You know, may I just continue to look to you. Yeah. And that's definitely what comes across. It just, it, it feels looser, uh, like you're more in your comfort zone. And part of me is like, I wonder if it's like returning to the Jersey shore or something, as I think about some of your, you know, before you moved to Texas and come in full circle, if um, there was a, a you were reinvigorated in terms of the music that was inspiring you 25, 26 years ago before you moved. That's funny you say that. I mean, you know, like the first song on the album, when I listened to it back, it almost reminds me of like an old Allman Brothers tune. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is, there is a looseness to it because it was just live in the studio. We didn't try to overfix and overdub a bunch of stuff. Um, and it almost reminds me of like Ramblin' Man or something, like musically, you know, um, well, the drums are really pushing it in a way that they haven't in, in albums previous, I noticed. It was really, the drums were really, it was real live sound to it. And so it did feel like Guitar Man by Brad or, you know, some of that right. stuff from 75, 76 time period, which I hold near and dear. Right, and, and where you could hear the vocals and where it was a couple of guitars. And that's why hopefully it will inspire some worship teams or even small churches to go, hey, we can do this. We can do this song. Like, um, it's it's accessible. That was one of the goals in my mind was I wanted the songs to, most of them to come across as accessible to someone that knows some chords on the guitar and the piano and the drummer can do this, you know, not try to overproduce it, which is always a temptation. And I feel for every artist, it's always a temptation to say, oh, let's add one more track of guitar. Let's add one more of this, you know. And so more, a little one more distortion guitar on this track and it was good to just go, no, 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 let's do our best to, there's very few overdubs and no synthesizers. So. Yeah, let's just pretend like it was 1970 and we got a four track and we have to bounce it. No. What's going to happen? Exactly. That's a, yeah. a good picture. I mean, we've been talking about worship and, and, and some of this, uh, this, this tendency to overproduce and stuff. One thing I've noticed, and you know, I'm not a young worship leader. Very soon after I started leading worship, Hillsong United stuff was coming out. And so there was this tendency for worship to become bigger and more of a production. And I'm starting to see it kind of back away from that a little bit now with the, and I'm going to call it celebrity worship leader production that goes behind that. Do you see from your perspective, do you see that people backing away from that at all? You, it's something I haven't necessarily seen from you, although it seems like people put you there whether you want to be there or not. Yeah, I think, uh, again, the 20-something is a bit of a, grown a little bit weary of the, as you say, the celebrity thing. And, and most of the guys didn't ask for that, perhaps. But it just, yeah. for some reason, it turns into that feeling like that. You know, even worship pastors, I always try to remind them, just because there's a stage and there's people, never think of yourself as like, they're the audience. You know, you're the performers, they're the audience. It's like, no, you know, we're, 
think of it more like a big living room and God is our audience and we're all singing together and it's not American Idol. You know, we're so conditioned because of the stage and the, so even if there is a stage, do everything you can to sort of break that invisible wall and not make it feel like a us and them. So I think, again, the 20-somethings um, in general, this is a generalization, but I just saw it happen in the 90s. You know, we, everything started off kind of simple. It was the Maranatha and the Vineyard and all that. And then it built up, built up, and the integrity and some of their stuff was amazing, like the Ron Canoli spectacular, you know, three drummers and 12 singers and the gongs and and uh, cymbals and it's just amazing and glorious and um you know and then it gets to a point where it can't get any bigger and so then someone has to come along and along comes some simple expression again with the guitar maybe a matt redmond back around late 90s where it's like when the music fades and all yeah. is stripped away you know and then we're all challenged like oh oh that's it's okay to just do a three chord song and just a simple prayer awesome and then then the cycle begins again then we just each each project seems to sort of outdo the next and big big bigger oh my gosh stadium live from such and such stadium and and you know the the album every album starts opening with the sound of white noise like <sighs> and i you know it just comes a point where you go you don't have the budget we don't have the people there's no way we can pull that off so what if we just move in the opposite spirit we get a handful of worship leaders together in a studio and say let's uh let's break it down guys and let's just have let's do our best to try to just sing an authentic night of worship so and then it feels refreshing and people go wow why can't we do that all the time you know why, why doesn't why don't we have those mountaintop moments with just joe and his takamini more often right. you know <laughs> good because you had a new group uh a lot of new people band-wise on here um, and you've co-written with a lot of different folks. What do you find draws you to another artist uh, in terms of what you value the most with working with somebody? You know, it's uh, maybe chemistry. It's one of those, you don't know it until you see it or experience it or feel it. Um, and that goes with even adding people to your worship team, I would yeah. say, let's to make it applicable to someone that might be listening. It's, you know, it's uh you just kind of have a sense. Doesn't mean you're going to be best friends, but at least there's at least enough chemistry that you can have coffee, you can work together. There's a combination of humility and authenticity and some talent. Um, there's just a balance there of some level of maturity, spiritual maturity. Where, um, so like I said, I've never really set out to define it, but it sort of happens organically, doesn't it? And it's only occasionally where you'll you'll come across a situation where, hmm, this isn't a good fit. Like, I'm not sure why. Like, I don't, I don't know why we're not connecting, you know, in your head. And yeah. then you just pay attention to that, and that's just not a person that you continue to pursue, you know, uh, collaboration with. But I'd say for the most part, most of these things, the writers and the collaborators on this project, it just sort of happened naturally. Um some are better friends, you know, closer friends of mine than others. Some are good acquaintances that, that I just respect musically and uh, respect their, their walk with the Lord. And so it's fun. It's fun. All generations, too. There's a gal on this album that she's 19 years old. She sings on two of the tracks. I think she's amazing. She's a worship leader in Southern California. Um, 
19 years old, I think just has something very special on her voice and her heart. And, uh, you know, integrity, understandably, was like, oh, why don't we get Natalie Grant? Or you could ask Mandisa or somebody, you know, which they would be great. But it's like, hey, I met this 19-year-old worship leader. I think, I think she'd be awesome to sing on a few tracks. They're like, okay, well, follow your gut, you know, so... It reminds me a little bit of um, one of your workshops, the uh, DVD workshop where Carrie Job was on there and nobody knew who Carrie Job was. And you were you know, with the vocal workshop and it's like when she started to pick up steam, I mean, you're you're shepherding these younger people up and then they're, whoop, there they go. Yeah. Who knew? Who knew? Again, uh, I just loved the blend of experienced and then finding those. And again, applicable to a local church listener here of your worship pastor is like, I think we need that balance of experienced team members and, but always having an eye out for someone in the late teens or early twenties that we need to make a way for them. We, we need to create opportunities for them to, to exercise their gift and to see what happens. And yeah, I remember, wow, that, that's funny. You mentioned, uh, that was a long time ago and Carrie was a background singer at Gateway Church. And I just, you know, before Revelation, I think Revelation song had just come out, and um, just a faithful singer each week at her church, and I don't even remember where I met, I actually brought her to CMS one year. Oh, did you? Um, to sing, you know, background. Hey, Carrie, would you sing backgrounds and maybe step out for two songs? And, oh, yeah, awesome, thanks, you know. So it's awesome to see what God's done through her over the years and, and many others, so... Yeah, it's one of my uh, one of my favorite things to watch. Just to watch, you know, as artists kind of make their way, and when they do it right. And I love what you when you talk about building up the youth, the the talent that you see there. You could very easily take a perspective of get off my lawn, you know, as a, a worship leader or as a, just to avoid the whole mentoring thing. But to to be very deliberate about reaching and a hand, saying, "Come on, let's go along and." Uh, we can't just complain about a generation without investing in that generation. We have to. Um, yeah, in, 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 uh, yeah, in two days, I'm playing at the uh, National Worship Leader Conference put on by uh, Worship Leader Magazine, and I'm bringing my guitarist from back home in Texas. He's going to be the guitarist for me. He's, he's 19, and I've brought him on several events of mine just because I think he deserves it. I think he's, he's put the work in, and sure, as he... You know, is he going to be exactly like a Ben Gal who's, you know, 20 years experience? Maybe not, but he'll be pretty close. And it's a way to, I think all of us need to be intentional, as you just said. And the temptation for any of us in our middle years, whatever, however you define that, yeah, is beware of insecurity. Beware of feeling threatened by this next generation, maybe someone on your team coming up. I would encourage you to just prayerfully process the, the possibility of becoming a player coach to use a sports yeah. metaphor that instead of um, I've, I've come across this a lot lately and of course there's two sides of that I think it's unfortunate that oftentimes a church will just cast aside some seasoned veteran faithful worship pastor um, on the other hand I would challenge the worship pastors who've been doing this a while that are you open to change? Are you open to adapt? I mean, you don't have to be 25 anymore and wear skinny jeans and buy a wah-wah pedal. And, but are you humble enough to sort of um, go to the youth worship team and just look, see what they're doing and see what's happening naturally? And 
maybe you speak in, but you may be surprised at what you learn from them. And let there be maybe this process and maybe explain it to your senior staff before they come to you with a, with a pink slip. But yeah. so maybe you initiate the process and say, you know, I'm aware that I've been doing this for many years and I love getting to do this. But I also am aware, you know, I want to I want a proper handoff to the next generation, as as will happen with the teaching pastors. I mean, we're all in the same boat. The, the teaching pastors, the senior pastor, the worship pastors, you know, as we age, we, we want to find this transition, a, a gracious transition. So I didn't mean to talk about this, but. Think about a player coach. Back in the day, you saw that more often in basketball or hockey or football where yeah. you'd have a coach that occasionally would still go in and, and play, and maybe you cut back to once a month or every other month, and you co-lead, bring up that 20-year-old and do a co-lead thing once in a while, and then eventually, once they build their confidence, then just say, how would you like to lead, uh, how would you like to lead next month all by yourself, and I'll just play acoustic guitar behind you. And, you know... Paul said to do that to Timothy. Paul, that which you've seen and you know from me, turn to you know and pass it on to others, other faithful men. I think it says in First Timothy. Sometimes it's hard to get out of the way, and especially if you feel like it means you're no longer vital. Uh, that somehow we we take the if I step out of the way that I'm giving up something, and you are, but you're gaining something. Absolutely, but. We all have to deal with it. I mean, I, I won't even personalize it. You know, there's things. There's festivals I used to get invited to and, you know, this festival, an outdoor thing. And it's like, okay, we'll be like Toby Mac and then you come on and do your thing and then we'll have third day. And all. it's like, all right, wow, amazing. Wow, what a privilege. But, you know, then you don't get that phone call anymore. And um, that's okay. But it requires a little processing, you know. Yeah. It shouldn't devastate us, but we take it to the Lord and we just say, well, I understand, Lord. I understand that um, I don't want to hang on ah, desperately to something that's, that you're telling me, Lord. If you're telling me to just open my hands and allow you to take something out, oftentimes, like this move to New York, if I'd have clung on to our thing in Texas, I would never be experiencing this new season and what the things and the changes and the that I'm experiencing in New York now. So... Let's trust the Lord. Let's do our best to trust the Lord and not grip so tightly and open our hands and our hearts and say, I'm willing, Lord. But it's hard. I get it. It's not easy. But um, take the initiative instead of waiting for someone else to tap you on the shoulder. Like, start the conversation with yourself now, maybe with your leadership, because then you might actually get a few more years in the church. Maybe the church will appreciate the leadership that, oh, that's that's so mature and that's so great of this guy to think about the future of our church and that he can still play a role um, without having to lead every Sunday. Excellent words. Of course, it wasn't where we intended to go in our conversation, but I appreciate uh, the organic nature of getting to chat about some of these things. Well, the album is Your Mercy, and it's out October 7th. Some fantastic music for personal worship, congregational worship, and it's fresh stuff from Paul Balash. And thanks for joining us today. Any parting words, uh, favorite ice cream flavor, what you're watching on Netflix currently? Man, I'm such a bad TV watcher. I'm not a big Netflix guy. I'm just kind of busy, but it's okay if you are. I don't I don't judge. <laughs> Life is pretty busy. Um, 
you know, favorite ice cream, man, like there's a thing called Almond Joy. There's a place and it's got almonds and coconut and vanilla ice cream and a little chocolate. It tastes like an Almond Joy ice cream, uh, an Almond Joy bar, if you will. But, um, yeah. but yeah, I just encourage anyone listening, you know, uh, as we close here, um, man, I'm just, I just never forget when you first experienced God's mercy and God's salvation in your life whether it was a moment or a season in your life, never forget, always remember, even today, remember, keep it fresh in your mind. Let's not grow weary in well-doing. I just encourage all of you out there that have been following the Lord for years, you know, as the scripture says, to not grow weary in well-doing, but to continue to look to the Lord to change and transform and to mold you and shape you into the image of His Son, Jesus. And get around young generation, get around older, get around anybody that's still pursuing Jesus authentically. Make that a real conscious thing in your life because we need to be around others who are pursuing him. And when we feel like we're starting to get a little dry, boy, it's sure helpful to be around people that are still pursuing him. So just pray God would give you grace and including myself that he'd give us all grace and strength to finish well. I think we can leave it right there. That was nice. Thank you. Joe, that was great conversation, and I'm so glad that uh, you asked the questions you did. Um, and I'm actually glad that he he went back a bit to talk about the mentoring aspect. Um, I think it was Carrie Job that he was talking about. Oh yeah, because I remember using the DVD video series you referenced yeah. in uh, on the interview uh, with some of my people here, um, where I looked at the video and thought wait, I know that girl, but it was way back when she was just starting out. Uh, Cause I actually looked sort of like, um, I look at my daughter and think, man, she's 17. She's got a great voice. She's got the enthusiasm that could be her, you know, in the next couple of years. And uh, so it's interesting to see that that's, he was sort of paving the way for her career. But as he said, who knew? Yeah. It's, it's wonderful that he, has that perspective, you know, and I made the joke about get off my lawn, but you know, there, it's really easy for us to get kind of in a frame of mind that said it's very protective of what we feel like we have earned and to um, be defensive against what it feels like people taking that from us. You brought this to my attention and it didn't even cross my mind, but that interview was so much about transitions Um from the geographic transition that that he and Rita made, um, the transition in life that really was the impetus for that. And then we ended up talking so much about transitions in life uh, from an artistic perspective and from leading worship. Uh, it, uh, I'm looking forward to, even though it was just yesterday, I know there's already a lot of stuff that I've forgotten about the interview. So I'm looking forward to once I finish editing it, so you people, Dan got to hear primarily the unedited version, including all the stops and starts that are there generally that he doesn't get to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, but listening to it one more time and um, and what's shared there. So, um, yeah. yeah, and even little things that I picked up on, um, you know, like 
even where he chose to live, you know, he didn't like go buy some mansion on a hill as an accomplished artist, you know, drawing from his kickbacks on CCLI. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, uh, he said, you know, he got like a small apartment with his wife. His, he's got 20, 20 something kids that are all adults and living in other places. So yeah, he's, he's sort of almost in a minim minimalistic way, humbling himself to being a church attender and having an apartment and yeah, like he, it just did not sound like, you know, a quote unquote celebrity that we would, you know, expect from someone who's recognized. Yeah. There was a lot about that, that I, I found refreshing. And I referenced that too, as well, in terms of the album, there was something that was fresh and loose about the album. He generally puts out quality stuff. You know, I, I'm a person who leads a lot of Paul Balash songs but there was something about this album that seemed to say, I'm in a good space and I feel creatively uh, refreshed or, or renewed. Uh, mm -hmm. And I don't think you've had a chance to listen to it yet. So I'm excited to hear what you think. Yeah, I've, I saw some teasers on uh, um, YouTube. Uh, some Integrity put out some teasers and some um, sort of um, anticipatory uh, posts and him talking about it. Um, I also noticed they made mention that he had his kids on the album. Was that true? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, David is playing. Uh, he's, I, I can't remember if he's singing or his instrumentation. And I think his daughter is singing on right. uh, a couple of the tracks. So it's cool that he's bringing his family along as well. And it's, yeah. And the other thing is again, like Paul said, he wanted this album these songs to be accessible to the worship leader in the small church, you know, like less instrumentation, less production, like you said, talking about, um, you know, not over processing and, and things like that, which I think does bode well for people to, to want to do the songs. I mean, let's be honest, not everything out there is worth playing right now. I mean, you know, Hillsong's, uh, no. Hillsong's great, but you know, like, the girls on our, our worship teams, and we have many female singers and leaders, um, they're like, well, what's out there for me? Everything is a, you know, quote unquote, um, guy song. Um, so they're, they're struggling, but I yeah. think Paul Blosh does a good job of, of blending keys and ranges so that they're not in the stratosphere for women and they're not in the tank for men. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, so I think practically speaking, he does a good job of providing balance. And um, for those who are less savvy about key signatures and timing and stuff like that, they'll watch the video to find out what the singers are doing and then try to match that. Yeah. Um, which is why I think it is good to have a video component to, um, you know, albums and songs. And um, even if it's a lyric video, just you know, we're, we're engaging with new media these days. So a lot of people are looking for the live video to see what the artists are actually doing. Yeah. Yeah. Not what they were saying in the studio, but what, when they actually get in front of people, what does that end up sounding like? Yeah. And, and people get a better picture for it. I mean, we don't have the record album, um, you know, multi-page uh, photo gallery of what the artist does and what they like and, you know, pictures on location and stuff like that. But we do have the video now, which is awesome. Even Andrew Mark, um, who we interviewed before, um, when he got signed with BEC, um, he came out with some live video of him and his friends and people doing music. And 
uh, different dynamic that it brings when you're watching the artist, the up and coming artist that you like and being able to see what they look like and who they interact with and their charisma, it comes out in video. So right. I think it is a, a benefit to make that a vehicle for getting music out. And YouTube's really embraced that really pushing music, um, not only on the, on the artist side, but even on the licensing side. Um, every time I do a live stream for our church, um, five or six licensing companies want to put a credit on a worship song that we've done live. And we're fully licensed with CCLI to do the live stream, but I still have to go through all the administration and replies um, for all of this music every time we sing it. So um, music is definitely playing a big part on uh, YouTube these days. Yeah, absolutely. So saying that, thank you so much for the interview, Joe. I think that was great. And I think it's a dynamic interview, especially for those that have, have tracked Paul for many years um, to hear where he's at now. And I think it's such a positive place that he's in. Um, he's still being a mentor. He's being an encourager. And in fact, right at the tail end of your interview, he was being pastor-like. He was shepherding the way he was sharing and doing doing well to others and, and encouraging each other and um, being able to put himself aside and raise up other leaders. And uh, that, that was encouraging. Speaking of sort of new music, I interviewed this past week as well um, Sky Terminal, which is a Canadian band from Toronto. Yeah. And um, look forward to that interview. I actually got to sit live with all four members of the band, plus their sound engineer, and just talk shop and um, talk about touring and what it's like on the road and how to put an album together and, you know, talked about different projects that some of the guys have been on uh, with some totally different artists that I never anticipated. So it was a neat conversation. So look for that to be the episode after this one. And uh, of course, we have more coming up. We're going to be talking to um, some ministry leaders and apologists and authors. And uh, yeah, it's fun times on the podcast. Yep. And uh, CMS Northwest is in a month. Wow, that's coming quick. Yeah. Yeah. I freaked out a little bit today. Uh, about that but uh, we have more on that as uh, as plans come together so folks mm -hmm. you're going to be inundated with content and you're used to it <laughs> and you like yeah. it just you like it <laughs> yeah. well and i'll be traveling to niagara falls in november for a conference for the fellowship that our church belongs to so i'm hoping to connect with a few artists while i'm down there toronto-based artists so if you're listening to this and you're in toronto and you're an artist uh, let's connect i'll have a couple days where i'll be able to do that when i'm visiting with family so uh, i look forward to that and on that note, well, let's close the book on this. My sister is downstairs and wants me to start the grill up so we can smoke some salmon. And that's very important. <laughs> <laughs> we, always end, we always end with food somehow on this podcast. Well, it's dinner time here when we record and it's bedtime for you darn near. So, <laughs> All right. It's time to do some binge watching on Netflix. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Get to it, man. <laughs> All right. Well, and uh, until next time, Joe, have a good night and uh, we'll talk to everyone later. All right. God bless. Take care. 